So we spent the last couple of days practicing primarily with mindfulness of the body, the breath, the anchor, as we've described it, um, to help us collect and gather the attention and settle in to mindfulness in the first couple of days of the retreat. Um, And another word for anchor is primary object. And this morning we'll be expanding the instructions to practice with more of our experience and with what's sometimes called secondary objects. And this this morning uh, will be instructions will expand on on those by incorporating emotions and mind states. So mind states, a very broad term, can include um, wholesome qualities of mind and also um, the hindrances, which the classical hindrances, which Winnie will be expanding on tonight in her talk. Um, they are greed, so wanting something, uh, aversion, wanting something to be different, wanting the present moment to be different than the way it is. There are many versions of that. Um, Restlessness and worry is another hindrance. And sleepiness we've talked about a little bit. And also doubt. Um, But these, uh, these instructions will begin to incorporate all kinds of emotions and mind states. And, you know, some, some are obviously wholesome and beautiful, like joy or gratitude, uh, loving kindness. And of course, um, we also experience a lot of difficult, um, sometimes afflictive uh, emotions. And so one of the things that I'm going to suggest and incorporate to some degree or allude to in the instructions is um, particularly if there's Uh, some challenge with being with an emotion that's present, you can use the, check out the RANI acronym, RAIN or RANI acronym I used last night. Um, Notice if that emotion is present, if you're really recognizing what that is, accepting and allowing it to be just as it is. You know, relating to it in a way that's not identified, that's not, uh, that that has the seed of kind of wisdom in it, recognizing that it's arising and passing away. It's shifting and changing. So it's not my sadness or my anger, but just anger is present right now, for example. And um, some interest or investigation. What does that feel like in, in the mind and in the body? And it is really helpful, especially if, if a mind state is difficult or an emotion is difficult, to actually touch into that, some of the manifestation of how that feels in the body first can be a a real um, avenue of connecting in. And also with uh, difficult emotions can be really helpful to, the noting can actually be more helpful sometimes in that, uh, to, to connect and open to what we might otherwise be more, even more resistant to than other um, experiences that we have. So in a way, um, I like to sometimes use a longer, a little bit of a longer note for things that are difficult in my experience, whether they be of mind or body. And it kind of incorporates all of the 
the, the aspects of rain, um, to kind of say to myself, if there's an afflictive emotion present, like, oh, sadness feels like this right now. You know, that, that helps to take that, you know, to kind of uh, take that approach of non-identification and of interest, of, of checking out what does this, what does it feel like right now? And at the same time, really recognizing that it's there. So this is a little bit, um, little bit longer kind of note, which you might find at times uh, to be supportive. So we also are not um, in this practice, you know, forcing ourselves to be mindful and just be aware of things when we've reached a limit with our resources in terms of mindfulness, in terms of the ability to hold an experience that is difficult or afflictive. So if you feel that you've reached a a sort of a wall, a place of, okay, tried to be present with, tried to be mindful of a difficult mind state or emotion, and, and there's just a sense of this is enough, this is more than, you know, I can't really do this anymore, you can shift. It's um, not cheating, as my teacher used to say. Shift the awareness to something neutral or maybe slightly pleasant in the body and just rest the awareness with that for as long as is necessary. And then you can, you know, do a kind of a titration back and forth if there's the resources for that, touching into that more difficult experience when, when, that's, when that's possible. So the basic instructions um, with the primary and secondary objects uh, are really helpful to keep in mind. They're actually quite simple. Uh, So I want to say them, actually, before we even begin the meditation. It's essentially to um, be mindful, noticing and noting when that helps to connect and sustain the attention with the primary object, with the anchor, and then when something is so strongly drawing your attention, something's very, really, um, really pulling on the attention, to just take that as the object for mindfulness. So to move to mindfulness of that secondary object. And then to stay with that for as long as that experience is really so predominant that it's drawing the attention. Then when it's not, then you can turn the attention back to the anchor, to the primary object. Um, so also if the mind wanders and mindfulness arises again, you know, there's something that's there, that's present, that you're noticing, it's more predominant than the anchor in that, at that time, allow the mindfulness to rest with that experience. So mindfulness arises in the midst of something. Well, what's happening right now? And just to be with that for some time until there is that resource, that space to go back to the primary object. So those, that's the really kind of uh, um, Mahasi-influenced uh, basic instructions uh, in a nutshell to keep in mind as this is the simplicity of the practice. Even as we, you know, we're... Uh, pointing out to you there's so many more experiences that we have of mind and body that we can be aware of that are perfect objects for mindful uh, for our mindfulness practice. This particular uh, method that we're instructing on allows us to uh, collect and gather the attention with this returning to the primary object and having that anchor, but to also uh, really 
uh, be aware of other things when they're when they're strong and to understand the nature of what it is to be a human being uh, to be a sentient being through this process of 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 coming to understand uh, all of these other individual the individual experiences of mind and body and how they are operating and how they may um, how they can show us what causes suffering and what will lead more and more to the cessation of suffering. Okay, so just inviting you to again rest into sitting and knowing that you're sitting. Dropping into an awareness of the whole body in the seated posture. And it can be helpful to notice the stronger sensations as we begin the meditation. Areas of stronger pressure or warmth. The feet, the seat, hands where the arms may be touching the side of the body perhaps feeling areas of stronger tingling aliveness, vibration in the body And having that awareness, sitting and knowing that you're sitting. Perhaps beginning with a light note, sitting, knowing. And you may open to noticing that within that frame of the whole body, that frame of knowing there is a body sitting, there are shifting and changing sensations of the breath. So just allowing the awareness to rest with that wave of the breath. And you may use simple notes of in, out, or rising, falling.
or particularly if it feels that a closer noticing, noting is possible, you may notice the direct felt sensation of the breath and note when you can that actual physical sensation, whether it be tingling or tightness, movement, softness, coolness. And if, as you are attending to the breath, or just the body sitting, the posture, and the physical sensations of the posture, or the posture and sounds, if, as you're attending to the anchor, you notice that there is an emotion or a mind state that's strongly drawing the attention. It's really predominant. It's drawing the attention away from the anchor. Allow the mindfulness to rest with that experience of the mind. If the experience is wholesome, like calm, or gratitude. And of course, use a light note, a whisper. They're really just kind of 2% of the mind doing the verbal noting and the rest feeling. What does that feel like right now? Sensing and experiencing the mind state. Any manifestation of it in the body, the tone or the texture in the mind also can be known. And if there is some emotion or mind state that is more on the unwholesome or afflictive side. You can allow the mind to see if you can open to that experience. With mindful awareness, for example, Anxiety feels like this right now. Just noticing perhaps one area 
of bodily sensation that's coming along with that emotion. And you may notice in different moments, different bodily sensations that are arising without anxiety or other difficult emotion. Allow that sensation or set of sensations to be just as they are. Noticing if they shift or change. Not having to go really deeply to the center of any of these experiences, but allowing for an open, spacious awareness. Again, you can also notice the tone or the texture of that emotion in the mind. Is there contraction? Does it feel like rushing in the mind? And if the internal resources for mindfulness of something that's not so easy to experience. If it feels like those resources are not there right now, remember that you can touch into noticing, you can always return to the anchor. You can also notice some area of the body that's rather neutral, either neither pleasant nor unpleasant or perhaps slightly pleasant, letting the awareness rest with that experience and allowing it to be just as it is. And in this way, we continue with our mindfulness. We can use this practice with the hindrances also. Restlessness feels like this right now, for example. If it's really strongly drawing the attention away from the anchor. Feeling into the manifestation of that hindrance in the body. Noticing how it feels in the mind. And if any of these emotions or mind states seed are no longer really drawing the attention strongly away from the breath or the other anchor, 
So in other words, they're no longer predominant in your experience. Just gently draw the attention back to the anchor. Again, knowing, noticing, and it, when it's helpful, noting. Direct felt sense experience the anchor of the breath or body. And noticing that experience in this moment, and in this moment, and in this moment. we do all of this with a really caring, compassionate, a really caring, compassionate awareness for sensitive minds and bodies as we come to see that these Experiences of body and mind shifting and changing, sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant. And we're involved and engaged in this learning process, beginning to hold them, our awareness, with care with openness, with allowance and acceptance. Knowing that they are not owned. So bringing that mindful Awareness with non-identification. Whether it's a physical sensation, tingling. Tingling feels like this right now. Pressure feels like this right now. Or it's an emotion. Frustration feels like this right now or a mind state, confusion, feels like this right now. Just allowing it to be just as it is, noticing what it feels like in this moment and in the next.
we have time for a couple of questions? Combine it with metta, is your, are you saying? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, different teachers will give a different response to that. First of all, the question is, the um, question is that there is she's this person is uh, using the breath as the anchor and um, noticing that something is coming up where she's noticing that another person is suffering. And so the question is whether uh, whether it's a good idea to then ex- you know practice metta for that person to sort of kind of switch the practice either for a little bit or for a while. So <clears throat> I think different teachers will have different answer- answers to this question. So I want to give you actually kind of a range and <laughs> see. Um, so. Um, some will say, you know, don't mix up metta and mindfulness. Sort of like if you if you sat down and you have the intention to practice uh, mindfulness, and this is really the suggestion I would give to you at this point in the retreat, um, is to uh, follow along with that intention and see if you can notice uh, whatever the emotion is or the mind state that is happening, and later will. Um, We'll also be incorporating thoughts, so you might notice thoughts uh, related to this. But you might notice, oh, compassion feels like this, or sadness feels like this right now, or um, you know, whatever it is that you see is, is actually happening in the mind and the heart right at that moment, to just actually bring mindfulness. And that's very compassionate towards yourself, in a way. I mean, mindfulness is incredibly compassionate uh, way of relating to our experience. So you can try that out too. It, but if there comes a point in time, um, one way of titrating with experience, in other words, one way sometimes if we feel like we're just something is just too difficult to be with, you know, as I mentioned, you can go back to, um, you can go and practice with something that feels kind of neutral or, uh, or slightly pleasant. But if you, you know, are finding a, a wall, I, I describe it as kind of hitting a wall with practice where it's just um, the heart and mind can't hold something again and continue to do that in mindfulness. Uh, then for some people at times I've noticed that dropping in a little meta phrase for themselves actually, actually is, is helpful. And then to go back to mindfulness. So the question is, uh, 
whether one should try to be mindful of only one anchor at a time, or sometimes um, this person is finding that they can be mindful of more than one anchor at a time. Um, so, for example, do you mean like the body and the breath at the same time? Exactly. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so it can be really skillful to be able to actually uh, maintain some mindfulness awareness of, of the body uh, more broadly while being aware of the breath. Sometimes that can, for some people, that can actually kind of facilitate a more relaxed and less overly effortful or straining uh, approach to mindfulness of breathing. So if you're finding that that's happening, it may be a really, a, you know, a really great noticing that, that in your relationship with the, that anchor of the mindfulness of the breathing, that it's helpful to kind of keep a little bit of expansive awareness on the body at the same time. So that sounds like it could be really helpful. So different people, we all have different conditioning. And so um, part of what we're doing, and one of the phrases that I love uh, hearing from Joseph Goldstein years ago, is that we're all kind of contemplative artists. We're working with our own conditioning. Um, And so some of us will find that it's really skillful and helpful to, to really... Uh, do a close breathing, you know, mindfulness of breathing practice. And for others to have a more expansive awareness, you know, of the breath more in the whole body and things like that. So what we're all doing over time is learning what's discerning, developing this discernment of what is uh, the skillful means for us in in using and working with the instructions. So sounds sounds like it could be, you know, showing you a way of of, you know, practicing that's could be fruitful for you. Right here. Uh, how about do you have any tips on dealing with frustration and doubt? Because that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll say just a little bit because uh, Winnie will be talking more about emotions and hindrances this evening. Um, so with frustration, as I, you know, just with the instructions, that's an emotion or a mind state. So you can just practice with feeling what that feels like in the body and in the mind in that moment. And, um, you know, in the next moment. So frustration is here right now. And you may find that if you do that for a little bit, it doesn't feel quite the same. Um, in just a little short, short amount of time. And so you can touch into that a little bit and then go back, especially if it's a really strong kind of pattern, um, touching into the anchor and then noticing, okay, the frustration, there's frustration that's still here, noticing what it feels like in that, in that moment, just allowing it to be just as it is. So you can practice with the, 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 you just incorporate it in as the object of your mindfulness. Um, and doubt, doubt often arises as these really, like these thoughts in the mind that are very seductive and very convincing. Like, I can't concentrate. You know, that we think, we take, that we really like to identify with that, those kinds of thoughts and believe them. Very seductive, they masquerade as wisdom. Oh yeah, it's really wise, uh, you know, I, I'm convinced. One's feeling convinced that um, <clears throat> can't concentrate, so or something like that. I'm not a good meditator, etc. 
Um, so if it's possible to just actually know, I think it's really helpful to know, those are doubt thoughts. They're, they're doubt thoughts, and um, they can come, they'll come and, and go. And if you can relate to that as just, well, it's, this is actually can't be true because anything actually that's solidifying you into having some immutable characteristic is from the point of view of this practice can't be true. Um, it's um, so noticing doubt as as thinking as a, as a, as a thought in the mind can be really helpful. Um, <clears throat> And also what I found in the practice, actually, is that when doubt is coming up, on the other side of that, if we continue to practice, is often we might see that there's an opening because it's just sort of obscuring us. Obscuring us and kind of, it's kind of, well, in the, in the suttas, doubt is often, um, doubt often comes in the form of this character Mara. Mara who comes and visits a practitioner and says to them exactly, it's exactly like that. You, you can't do it. You know, even Mara came to the Buddha, right, before he was awakened, um, and said to him, who are you to experience this awakening? Um, and that's when he touched the earth. And so to kind of turn towards that doubt in a way and say, Mara, I see you, which is what happens in the suttas. A lot, there's a lot of suttas like this, practitioners who... You know, Mara slinks in and tells them, you can't do it for this reason. Some, in some of the suttas, he tells the women practitioners, who are you to do this? Because you're a woman. You know, there's like all these little um, uh, digs that he, he gets into. And they turn to him, the practitioners turn to him and say, Mara, I see you. So can you do that with a doubt thought? <laughs> Mara, I see you. And back to the practice. So those are some suggestions. Big topic. Oh, one more, sh- uh, and I'll have to take it briefly. Uh-huh. Um, I thought the end and rain was for nurture, uh-huh. like using the emotional energy to figure out like, what you need in that moment. Uh-huh. So the question is, uh, sh- this practitioner thought that the end and rain is for nurture, which... Um, Described as using an emotional energy. I'm not sure exactly what the that is. So RAIN is an acronym that was developed by Michelle McDonald, and other people have adapted it over the years. So, for example, Tara Brock or, or other people, and I used a little adaptation of it. And so some people have changed the, the words that are associated with those. And, um, you know, the ones that I offered last night are uh, based really pretty closely in, in Michelle's uh, original original version of, of, of rain. And you can check it out for yourself in your own practice. Does, is it more resonant for you to have a different word there for any part of the acronym? Does that help you more in the practice? Um, what the, the, the particular way that I've used the words in the, um, in the acronym, you know, really point to this kind of classical practice of not identifying with the experience, uh, dropping in that seed of wisdom of knowing that that experience is, is arising and passing and not permanent. So that's the non-identification piece. Um, and so when we become identified with the experience, uh, then um, 
the it's well we're in actually you know kind of wrong view territory in relation to that it is really coming and going and and the non-identification supports the development of insight so that's kind of why i use the non-identification word for uh, at the end okay so there are some announcements all right so we will have practice discussions again today and we wanted to let you know that everyone will be seen in a practice discussion group with each of the three teachers. So over the course of this retreat, you'll have an opportunity to sit in a practice discussion with all three of us. Uh, basically, you'll be seen, seen every other day in a group. Um, and just a little bit about what the practice discussion groups are for, just briefly. Uh, there are two talk about and ask questions about what's going on in the practice, in the sitting practice and in the walking practice, any questions that might have come up, any challenges, any, any you know, also, also a good opportunity to share something that you've, you've really seen. Sometimes it can be really helpful to re- report on or, or tell us about what's happened in the most clear time in your practice, whether it be in the sitting or the walking. Um, and later on, Annie will be talking a little bit more about continuity. And so also what you might've noticed in your practice in doing activities outside of the formal practice. So that's what the practice, uh, discussion meetings are for. Also an announcement that the next tests, uh, are happening today. The next COVID tests, uh, there's information on the board about that. Just make sure to. To get your test, we'll be testing also. And a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit more about walking today. And just as a reminder and to bring a little, maybe a little urgency to the, into it, into the practice. Sometimes people get the impression that walking meditation is sort of a secondary practice to our sitting in the hall, sitting is the real thing, and walking is this other thing, but um, I would just invite you to let go of that perception, misperception, and know that, you know, in walking, actually, one of the reasons, well, it's actually is conducive to certain kinds of insights in a way that sitting practice is not, there's, because there's a note, there's a, allows us to be mindful of certain uh, aspects of our experience that are not so predominant or easily noticed in sitting like intention and which we'll be getting into later in the retreat but um, this the walking meditation also allows really for a good momentum to build in the practice and i would suggest and actually suggest and that you at least once during the day um, set the intention to do a sitting, a walking, and a sitting, at least once, with, without interruption. Of course, going to the bathroom, you know, the necessary thing that you need to do. But it's, it can be a good, uh, one can learn a lot about the momentum and continuity of mindfulness from doing a sitting, walking, and sitting period without, you know, engaging in other kind of extraneous activities. Or at least noticing if you're just like, are you hanging out in front of the board for a long time? <laughs> oh, no, we don't. None of us do that. Um, 
And we're using the anchor, the anchor of the sensations in the bottom of the feet and the lower legs. Uh, just, and that anchor is, is just like the anchor is in the sitting. So it's just what we go back to uh, when something else isn't so predominant and uh, it hasn't you know, taken us away from the mindfulness of the anchor. And it can be really helpful. Another tip is it can be really helpful to, you can go at different paces. You can go at different paces depending on what you discern to be your level of collectedness and calmness of mind at the time. And you can actually vary the pace um, also during a walking period. That can be really skillful. You might come to the walking and feel that you've just done something like you might have just done some um, of the volunteer work in the center or been at lunch or something, and there's kind of a little active activation or not so settled. And so you might want to start off at a, at a you know, relatively brisk pace and then slow down as you go through the walking period and um, find that maybe the mind has settled in a bit more. But notice these. You can, you can notice, like, what would be most skillful in this walking period? Would it be to go slower um, with a little bit closer attention and maybe more notes, you know, lifting, moving, placing? Or is it just stepping, stepping, stepping at a brisker pace? And also, if you're finding that there's some really um, strong uh, experience of the mind that's happening, some emotion that's happening, there are ways to practice with walking meditation that you know aren't just you're not just trying to. It's not particularly skillful to just try to um, totally divert the attention away from that in the walking meditation. So you can do, for example, metta walking back and forth for yourself, or for others, or both. Um, and at the end of the path, pause, do a standing meditation. Notice the sensations in the feet. Notice the sensations in the body. And you can take a moment to notice, what does that emotion feel like right now in the heart, in the mind, in the body? And then turning back, you can do metta phrases. And again, a standing meditation at the end. And you may notice that that experience, that emotion, or that mind state is different at the uh, different ends of the walking path, uh, for example. And you can, or instead of doing the metta, you can do the walking meditation with the anchor of the feet and the the legs. And at the end, if there's that strong, again, something happening in the heart and mind, um, use that opportunity at the end of the walking path to touch in and notice with mindfulness does that feel like attend to that experience, not just trying to push it away? Okay. All right. We'll see you, some of you in the groups, half of you in the groups. Everyone have a wonderful day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.